as you are turning there, let me tell you a story. The room was crowded. It was the middle of the summer. It was hot. The little church building that was housing all of these people was uh, overloaded. The AC was overloaded and people were fanning. It was uh, July and it was the middle of the 1980s, either 85 or 86, I can't remember. And and it was piano recital night. I mean, moms, dads, grandparents, and brothers and sisters had to come. Everybody else wanted to be there. And so I found myself there for two reasons. One, my sister, and for myself. But being the great, studious, piano student that I was, I didn't have anything piano-wise. And about two weeks prior to the recital, my piano teacher finally came to the understanding, this dude is not going to have anything. So she said this, why don't you sing something? What, what, what in the world? Anybody got any tissues? Um, she said, why don't you sing something? And I said, what do you think I should sing? And she said, why don't you sing this song? I'm not going to sing it today. I am going to read. You're welcome. I saw that hand. I am going to read for you the words that I sang. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El El Yon, Non, Na, Adonai. Age to age, you're still the same by the power of the name, El Shaddai. El Shaddai, Er Kam Kana, Adonai. I will praise and lift you high, El Shaddai. Through your love and through the ram, you saved the son of Abraham. Through the power of your hand, you turn the sea into dry land. To the outcast on her knees, you were the God who really sees. And by your might, you set your children free. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El El Yan, Na Adonai. Age to age, you're still the same by the power of the name El Shaddai. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, Erkan. Kana Adonai, I will praise and lift you high, El Shaddai. That name, El Shaddai, is seen for the first time, is given the first time in Genesis chapter 17. As I think, and as I am trying to get us all to think about responding to God's word, I want to show you, maybe for the first time, more than likely not for the first time, but to remind us of a characteristic, an attribute of who God is. And when you and I see who God is, May we find ourselves like Isaiah in Isaiah 6. When he saw God for who he was, he saw himself 
for who he was, who Isaiah was. And he says, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips and mine eyes have seen the king. So I want us to see God this morning and I want to give us an opportunity to respond to seeing him. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 down through verse 12, read as follows. When Abram, this is, uh, as we'll see in just a moment, this is Abraham, his name is about to change. But when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. That I may make my covenant between me and you. And may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Verse 9. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not your offspring. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. God, as we look at this passage... God, as you have given us this passage to remind us of who you are. Lord, I pray that we would see you. That we would see you as El Shaddai. Father, that we would see you as Almighty God. The one who cares for us. The one who nourishes us, the one who takes care of us, the one who promises and is faithful. Lord, would you show yourself this morning to your people? Would you show us yourself in such a way that, Father, it would change the way that we live out the rest of today 
that it would change the way that we live this week. Our whole lives. Thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. I ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. It's something just to jump in this passage in chapter 17, verse 1, and say, all right, this is who he is. This is El Shaddai. But to truly understand this passage and any other passage that you might be reading or any verse that you might be reading, you need to understand the context that surrounds the text that you are looking at. If you're going to open up God's Word and you're going to read it and say, all right, Lord, speak to me, and you put your finger on a verse that says, and Judas went out and hung himself, and then you flip over the next page and say, and go and do likewise. Does that really mean God wants you to go hang yourself? No, you need to understand the context around that. And for us to understand what God is saying to Abraham here, we need to understand what he has already said to him. And so the story of Abraham is started or has begun in Genesis chapter 12. Let me read a couple of verses for you from Genesis chapter 12 to kind of see this context. It actually starts in chapter 11. Then Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his uh, son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors or curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went. He left the Ur of the Chaldees. He went to Haran. There was a pit stop there for some 20 plus years. His dad died there. They buried him there. And then they got up from Haran and they went to a place that God was calling him to, directing him to, leading him to, that of Canaan. And God said, that's where you're going to be a blessing. And everybody that blesses you, I will bless. And everybody, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And anybody that curses you... I will curse. Abram rocks on, and he's already in his 70s at this point. And in Genesis chapter 15, we read some more words from a conversation between God and Abram. It states this in chapter 15, verse 1. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. There's another name for God. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Listen to what Abram said in verse 2. And Abram said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? What will you give me? For I continue childless. 
And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring and no member of my household, and and a member of my household uh, will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heavens. Number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he, Abram, believed the Lord. And it was counted, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, verse 9, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, and a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all He brought him all of these. He cut them in half, and he laid each half over against the other. He didn't cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. God's prophesying to him what's going to happen in the days of Jacob and Joseph and the children of Israel before Moses comes and delivers them by the hand of God. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and shall be buried in a good old age. Here's the... And they shall come back here, the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And when the sun had gone down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. Half of the cow, half of the sheep, half of the ram, those birds were there. And the torch passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land from the the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites and all those ites. I give this land to you. Now he's 86 years old. Some more time passes. Some 11 years, he's now 86 in chapter 16. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. She's uh, 75, 76. She's prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she, Sarah saw that she, Hagar, had conceived, she, Sarah, took, uh, excuse me, looked with contempt on 
her mistress. Down to verse 13. So she called the name of the Lord. This is Hagar called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly, here, I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Beer Lahoy Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bereth. And Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. You say, Brian, why are you giving me all of this? Let me tell you why I'm giving you all this. Because God doesn't work on your timetable. He doesn't work on Abram's timetable. He works on his timetable. His timetable is not Central Standard Time, Mississippi, America. His standard time isn't Prime Meridian. His standard time is that. It is GST. It's God's standard time. And you and I need to understand that. We need to come to grips with that. That he is going to work on his timetable, not before Not after, no matter what our culture, no matter what your life wants, he is working on his timetable to bring about his purpose for you. Thirteen years had elapsed after the birth of Ishmael there in chapter 16. After Abram and Sarah had come to the end of their rope, and after they had believed God that he was going to give them, give Abram an heir, after they had tried it on their own and brought Hagar in the situation and really messed everything up, God still says he's faithful and he'll do this. And so, 99 years of age. Sarah, 90 years of age. God shows up and says, she will be with child. And she was with child. And she bore him Isaac. Before all of this happens, before Isaac is born, God reminds Abram and Abraham in chapter 17 that he is the Lord God Almighty. He is El Shaddai. There's your context. Let's look at some confirmation of praise that comes from God himself. God gives a confirming word to Abram here in this passage. The the word El Shaddai, the name El Shaddai is God, El, Elohim. And then it's a compound name, El and Shaddai. The, The term Shaddai... Let me just give you some Hebrew for just a second, and I won't keep us in the deep water that long, but here's what it means. It literally means breast, and it is that picture of a woman's breast, El Shaddai. And what is it picturing here, and what's the attribute or the characteristic that is trying to come about? It's that God nourishes your every need. I told you that Liam was going to be in the sermon. Paige and the kids and I went to see 
Liam. And we were glad to see Liam because that's why we went to the hospital, to see Liam. And we were glad even to see Kendall because we wanted to check on Kendall to make sure that she was okay. And Sean was in the room, and that really didn't matter. We really just wanted, and he can listen to this, it'll be all right. We really wanted to see Liam. My two girls, Paige, my wife, and Mary Morgan, were goo-goo. I mean, they were just crazy over wanting to see Liam. Nathan was okay, and I was just in the room with Sean, and that's okay. But beforehand, before we went, we called, and um, I talked with Sean, and he said, you know, she's nursing right now. It should be about 15 or 20 minutes, and then y'all can come up. And so we went up to see them. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about this passage. The Lord, God Almighty, has provided nourishment, everything that Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, and every single one of us could ever need. Just like when we walked in that room and we saw Liam. Liam had on socks on his hands so he wouldn't keep scratching his face. He was wrapped up in a blanket. And he even allowed Paige to hold him, and he was just content. Why? Because he had just gotten full of milk. And just laying there. He was just fat and happy. Because he was resting in everything that was provided for him. If you read this passage, God is confirming Abraham, even as a 99-year-old man, saying, that's it, son. You're resting, you're still believing in everything that I have said to you in the past. Some 30, 40 years ago, I told you that you should go to this land that I am going to take you to. There were some stops in the road, yes, but you are here and I want to show you and remind you that I am still who I am. I am God Almighty. This Almighty God is the one who takes care of your basic need, of my basic need, of Abraham's basic needs, as well as our largest request. But also this phrase, El Shaddai, it doesn't just have this nourishment aspect to it, just like any mother or any father who loves their children is going to tell them, hey, there's some parameters. Here are some some, uh, guidelines. Here is a fence, don't cross it. Here's a line, don't cross it. There's some discipline there if you decide to go against me. And there is this as well here. God Almighty, El Shaddai. If you look in verse number five, you see He says this, no longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations and kings. They shall come from you. And I'm going to establish my covenant with you. Do you believe that that is true for you? Do you believe that you are a part of This covenant? 
Abraham believed that he was a part of this covenant. You and I should believe that as well. He sees through your sin. You know that attitude that you had this week that you shouldn't have. Those actions that you had last year, last month, last hour that you shouldn't have. Those words that you said. He sees through that and he sees you just like he saw Abraham. Just how Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. He says, for those whom he foreknew, those who he saw, he foreknew, he predestined, he predetermined that they were going to be conformed to the image of his son. So at the end of it, you're going to look like Jesus. I'm going to look like Jesus. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. These terms are past tense. God is speaking outside of the time calendar and the time clock and he is looking at you and he's looking at me and he looked at Abraham the same way he stepped out of time and he said you are perfect you're mature you're complete you are blameless live that way even now the problem for you and for me is that we get caught up in and we say, you know what, we really want that in the end, but we're not living that way right now. God sees you and he sees me complete, mature, perfect, glorified. But even with that caring love, this term, El Shaddai, is used some 48 times in the Old Testament, uh, 30 plus times in the book of Job. Look with me in Ruth chapter 1. I don't know if it's on the screen or not, but Ruth chapter 1, Naomi says this, I went away full, verse 21, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? The Almighty has brought calamity upon me. When you and I walk with God, he confirms in us all the desires that he has for us. Do you know that God will take you through some rough times? Now, you might be going through some rough times because of your own sin. And if that's the case, turn back to him. If, if that's the case, if, if you know that there is sin in your life, you come back to him, and will there be consequences of that sin? Yes, there will. But sometimes there is no sin on your part or on my part. There was really no sin for a number of years on Abraham's part, but God took him through some tough times. God took Naomi through some tough times. He brought calamity upon her. The Lord God Almighty did. Why? To make her complete. To make him complete. To make you and me complete. You say, I don't want it. Yes, you do. You do. Because you, you want what he wants for you, which is the very best. When we walk with God, he confirms in us all that he desires. Two more quickly coming out of this passage the first is this you and I need to understand these things that commands 
are given for you and for me to obey. The command is this, Abraham, I'm who I said I am. I am God Almighty. I am the one who is going to bring nourishment and provide for you. Here's what you need to do. You need to walk before me and be blameless. This is a command. Walk before me and be blameless. This point is um, one of the reasons that I tell you about my failures. Because I think it's extremely easy for us to read black ink on a white page and us to do something to those that are written in these books that we think, man, Abraham never had any problems. Oh, Peter and Paul, man, they were just superhuman. No, they weren't. They weren't superhuman at all. And to some degree, I think the church looks at their pastors and says, man, he's, he's on, a, on a step above me and he doesn't go through the same things that I go through. Well, let me tell you, I do. This week, I was preparing for uh, first call uh, Tuesday night. We had a prayer time here the first of every month and um, started that this week, this uh, month. And I was preparing for it. And one of the passages that I was reading about it was out of the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. And it says this, that return back to me with fasting and weeping and mourning. And I will be your God. You'll be my people. And uh, Tuesday, I was cramming. I was studying for uh, some passages for us to lead out in prayer. And uh, that verse just hit me. And I just sat in my chair for about an hour. And I was trying to think, when's the last time, Brian, that you cried when you were praying? I didn't think about it. When's the last time? That this happened to you. That you actually cried out to God. Physically. You know, men aren't supposed to cry. I was adhering to that. And I started praying. I said, God, soften my heart. And what did I want? I wanted to cry right then. I wanted to cry that night. That's not God's timing. It wasn't that night. It wasn't Wednesday night. It wasn't Thursday night. You know when it was? It was Friday at 1.30. You know what I was doing? I was outside planting shrubs. And as I was planting shrubs, I was listening to a sermon. Um, and I was just listening. And I was planting some hydrangeas and uh, moved some azaleas. And I was on my knees and I just started weeping. And I was like, oh, Lord. Father, I want what you want. Father, I want to come to you with a broken heart. To love those that you love. To do those things that you desire me to do. It wasn't on my timetable, but it was on his. It absolutely floored me. You and I have been commanded to do a number of things 
The first is that we are to love him with everything that we have. And if you and I get that one right, pretty much all the others just fall into place. But so often I don't believe that we get that one right because we don't see him for who he is. We, we see him as somebody that's on a shelf. We see him as somebody that, yeah, is going to take care of forever, but is not going to take care of this moment or today. I can take care of today. You can't. leads me to the last point. When all this took place in Genesis chapter 17, all the things that were leading up, the, the decades leading up to it from Genesis 12 to 17, Abraham had a chance to respond just like you have a chance to respond today. And you can respond in one of two ways. You can. You can bow up and say, Lord, I don't need you. I've got it. I can take care of these 70 years. I can take care of today. I can take care of everything that comes at me. And and you can try. And some days you might be able to do it. And other days you're going to be 20 feet under watching bubbles go up to the surface. Or you can do what Abraham did and bow down and humbly worship the king. For he is the Lord God Almighty. He has shown himself time and time and time again. He's shown himself to you and sometimes you and I are so busy we don't even think that's God. But it's him. He's shown himself time and time again through his word, generation after generation, to be faithful. And he shows himself to you this morning. Will you respond properly? Responding to God's word. He is worthy. The only one that is worthy of your life, of my life, of today, of this moment, of this breath. Will we respond? Father, I bow before you. And Father, maybe it was a long way around the bush to get to the the point of your worth. But Father, you truly are worthy. You're worthy of Of us giving up our dream. Because you have a better dream. You're worthy of of us giving up. Our finances. Because you have. So much more to bless us with. You are worthy. Of us giving up our time. Because you want to fill that time with yourself. And show us who you are. You are worthy. Of us giving up our days. Our lives because you have a better day and a better life than we could ever ever imagine fathers we turn our attention to respond to you as we respond to you in the seat where we are 
as we respond to you, as we stand and as we sing, as we respond to you, as we might come forward and bow, pray. God, would you see this response as an act of worship, as an act of obedience to the only one who is worthy. Father, may it not stop at the end of this song, at the end of this service, but Father, might it continue on. For you are worthy. It's time for you to respond. To see him for who he is.